Hey everybody, this is Mustafa Ali and you are listening to Pro Wrestling for Life. Welcome to another edition of Pro Wrestling for Life. Everyone, I'm your host, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pac. Yay! <laughs> and joining us right now is my co-host, Nick Houseman. What's up, Nick? Hey, Sean. Welcome back. I'm very excited about this week. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of really great episodes so far, so far, but like knowing what is in store for everybody here today, I'm really excited to let this one out into the world, man. I'm very proud of the work we got coming out this week. Yeah, well, why don't you let everyone know what's what's in store for them? Maybe I should, Sean. I think I'll do just that. Uh, how about this? After we finish the news talk here up top, uh, we're going to dive right into a conversation Sean had with uh, an old friend of mine, uh, but a new friend of his, somebody who's definitely shown some tributes to Sean in the ring, and that's WWE Raw superstar Mustafa Ali. A great conversation between you two. You don't really know each other, but obviously there's like an affinity there. And we also get to, of course, hear him talk about, you know, what he's doing at the moment. The matches with Ricochet, the deformation of, of Retribution. It's a very expansive conversation, Sean. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we talk about. And like, and just, you know, and also dealing with, you know, creative, uh, with lack of creative satisfaction. Or maybe that's not the right way to put it. Like when you're creatively stifled. Sure. Uh, just... There's a lot of frustration like in, uh, when you really, really care and you really love, uh, you know, doing this, man. Like when, when you don't get that creative satisfaction, man, brutal. But uh, anyways, yeah, um, it was really good talking to him. And uh, also uh, I, we had Wade Keller on the show. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Wade Keller, who is a friend of yours. I had no idea you guys were so close. We're going to go back into the way back time machine here. We're going to go to like the earliest days of you in pro wrestling. Uh, Wade Keller, uh, about the same age as you, uh, was also in the business at that point of covering pro wrestling. And you two go off on this wild journey together. And we were only going to get like a 20-minute snippet. But, man, I was so intrigued by how close you two are. Like, what a cool story you guys have had to tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like we talked each other all the time but there's just we have that bond from you know from all those years and uh um so yeah like there's there's no one um in my early days coming up in wrestling that um had more to do with my success as far as giving me exposure than than wade i could and uh always been a good friend man i, I really i love that guy and so I'm glad we could have him on talk a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, really like that part of the show. I mean, and look, and it doesn't stop. We got one last segment at the end, too, of course, before we go to the outro, the latest game show segment. And, uh, you know, I've got this this box on my desk that's a 1997 Titan Sports World Wrestling Federation trivia box here. It's got nothing but like 500 trivia questions. Sean's going to go head to head in 97 WWF trivia with none other than OG Kevin Gill, who, like, we start with Ali's like a friend of mine, Wade's like a friend of yours, but KG's like a friend of both of ours. And I, it's a wonderful way to wrap up this cornucopia of pro wrestling today. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that deck of trivia questions you got there has, has some real humdingers on it. It does. I actually kind of thought that, like, because we're doing more with the Patreon now, right? You go over there, you get a watch along. We got the watch along last week with the one, two, three kid versus Razor Ramon. We're going to do the 
hair versus hair match. So so go subscribe. You get more content from the show over there. But maybe just like a like a '97 Titan Sports trivia day, we just welcome a bunch of like the fans on, and you know I can ask them questions, or they can compete against you. Yeah. In '97 trivia, that sounds like a blast. Sure. Oh, dude, sure. like an hour of this, I'd be oh man, like a little kid. Anyway, uh, so we got a lot going on, guys. Uh, let's get right to it here. Start off the show. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Um, let's talk about Adnan Verk. This guy was only on Raw for maybe two months, uh, had a background at ESPN, and it was uh, just just announced that he and WWE are going to be parting ways. Um, first of all, uh, he didn't make it sound contentious. He said it was just the grind of the schedule turned out you know, to be too much from him. But a lot of fans, like, you know, they were pretty aggressively after him, too. It kind of just felt like a matter of time from the moment that he kind of hit the airwaves. I don't know if you had any thoughts on on Adnan Verk's time with, with Raw not working out a commentary. Uh, not, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it, to be honest, be honest with you, Nick. Um, like I wasn't, I wasn't even really sure where, where he came from, but you know, he's an ESPN guy, right? Like yeah, came in with a bit of a pedigree, I guess. Sure. Um, and I, 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 it just didn't work out, man. Like, I mean, I've read like the, the one thing I I've read the most is it just wasn't a good fit. Right. Yeah. You know, and I don't know like what kind of how much prep uh like he had, you know, how much practice or whatever, like getting in the booth with other commentators or like like Michael Cole uh coaching him or like I don't know how much of that he went through before being, you know, th- thrown out there onto live television. You know. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like because I've had friends that worked in commentary. I actually just released an interview of at Wrestling Inc. with uh, Rich Bokini, who used to be the SmackDown yeah. lead lead commentator. And the you know, one of the things that keeps coming up with that and referees is just how the performance center doesn't seem to have a path for those other players like they do the wrestlers. Like you bring in a wrestler, we have a system, we know what you need to do to be TV ready, and the wrestlers get a lot of the focus. But these other kind of referees and, and the commentators, they don't have a program day-to-day coaches kind of stuff. Does that resonate? Do you believe that, that they don't get the same kind of chance to grow as like the wrestlers that WWE? Sure. Yeah. 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 But I mean, but that doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, like, cause like when I would, when I was down there, one of the last times I was down there, one of the guys that used to uh, co-host my old show with me, he's a stand-up comedian. Also Johnny LaQuasto. Okay. He may um, he was down there and he was helping get, I can't remember who the hell it was now. Someone ready in the booth and like helping them with reps and, and just, you know, uh, I just remember like, so like, it's not that they don't have like, it's not that, uh, it's just the system's not in place. Like it is with the, with the in ring talent, you know? But there yeah. are things there, you know, they, they got a booth there and they, you know, like the, they have the facilities there to, to work on that stuff. And, and one of the things I think is interesting with the commentary role too, is, you know, it seems to be a lot of people that have done legitimate sports, right? Hockey yeah. or things like that. They bring in coachman kind of had that background. I don't know like why the Indies aren't producing commentators like it seems like every, like they you know some referees get picked up there's obviously a lot of independent wrestlers i don't know why the independents are producing commentators kind of the same way they do these other things you know well i mean but 
I'm just wondering, Nick. I mean, if they did, like, once they got to WWE, it would be like start from scratch, anyways. Because, like, on the Indies, you're not going to have fucking Vince, you know, on the headset yelling in your ear or, you know, like telling you all these things. Um, it's so I, I don't know. I mean, still, it would be nice to see some talent, you know, some uh, announced team talent come out of the Indies, like you said. I mean, because there's some out there, right? Yeah, we got OG Kevin Gill on here. Yeah, of course. You know, like I, I know there's people out there right now that are that are great. Joe Dabrowski comes to mind. Other people that I just know are good commentators. It's just, it's a disconnect there. So anyway, mm -hmm. off that topic a little bit about the PC. Uh, do you have any experiences in the commentary booth, Sean? Yeah, I did. So uh, one time they had me out. It wasn't the booth. It was just out at ringside. You know. Okay. Um. And like, I can't remember who was in the ring, but you know how they would bring talent out there that was involved, whatever the hell they would do it. And, um, anyways, I was just out there doing play by play with Jim Ross. And I was, I was just cutting up and like, I was saying, Oh, this guy's a three time all American. I was just, I was just saying shit that would, that would piss Jim off, <laughs> you know? Well, I was a dick back then. Right. Like it was, so wait, when was this? What year was this again that you were doing? It was this? like we I don't know if we were technically baby faces, DX baby faces yet. Like okay, okay. we might have still been kind of, you know, in betweeners. <laughs> I can't remember. But okay. so there was that. Um, but like actual like legit play by play, not play by play, color commentary. I right. actually did it with uh for King of Trios one time. Oh, really? How'd that go? Yeah. I thought it was great, but yeah. like, I, I guess like I said, damn or hell or something. I'm like quack. It was, that was against the rules for, for quack and Bush. Sure. Can't even fucking say damn or hell. Or, yes, exactly. You know, it wasn't like I was saying shit or fuck or. Okay. Anyway, enough about commentary. I need a Chikara events. Uh, I was all right at it. I was pretty decent at it actually. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, like, I just feel like you've, because the thing about you, Sean, is like you you try to do as many areas I know as you can, and you want to be really good at so many parts of it. I never really thought about you as a commentator or referee. I don't really know how much referee experience you had either. I started out refer refereeing. Yeah, yeah, on like really like bootleg outlaw shows before yeah. I was even before I was even trained in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's it. You haven't really you, that once you were a wrestler though, there was no more refereeing after that. Well, you know, I refereed. Um, I refereed Psycho Sid versus Razor Ramon, where I cost Razor the belt. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. And also, I refereed, like, uh, who the fuck was it? Oh, this guy named Bill Damiana versus Matt Riddle at a Monster Factory show for, like, a, it was like a submissions match or something. Anyways. Okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. Hey, we'll somehow get they talked me into it. We'll get Corderas or somebody on here sometime. We'll just go deep down the referee rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, I want there was a there was a couple John Cena items. First, John Cena looks like he might be wrapping up the Peacemaker filming in Canada uh, in time to make it to the first uh, SmackDown in front of fans again. The big July 16th show that's going to kick off their return to touring. Two days later is Money in the Bank. Uh, first, like, what do you think about John maybe coming back? What I mean, what what, what do you want to see from John Cena at this point if he were to come back and, and do anything in WWE? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, like recently, like he's been, 
like whenever he's been around, it seems like he's been trying to help out and help elevate others. I mean, am I wrong about that? No, I, I agree with that's what's so interesting when he comes back because he usually comes back with like a purpose, right? Yeah. There's somebody or something that he wants to work with or he wants to get over. Last time it was Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse thing at WrestleMania way over delivered, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, he's such a hard worker. And, uh, uh, like, uh, the matches are always really good when he's in them, man. Like, let's just be honest, whether you're a John Cena fan or not, man. Uh, and I am, I'm a John Cena. Like, you know, I'm not, Oh, I fucking love John Cena, but man, I'm a fan of his, I'm a fan of his work ethic and I'm a fan of his, his matches. What do you think? What do you think about him coming back and maybe, you know, uh, helping to get Roman back or even to like whatever the next level could be for that guy right now. It's really hard, you know, to, to find other, you know, we had that report, the observer that they made him and Cesaro, the main event for backlash because they were the raw guys weren't franchise players like Roman, like, you know, Cena helping Roman get to even above where he's at. Do you think that'd be a good use of him? I think it would be a great use of him. Yeah. 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 I, 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 like that would be the one. Like I, I just think that would be a a, a very meaningful win. Oh, totally. Yeah, oh, totally. Um, well, of course, there's the other story here where he accidentally said something about how Taiwan. Yeah, dude, I don't want to go. I don't even want to <laughs> fucking touch that. Okay, got it. I don't really yeah. want to. Let's wrap on something I know you do like, Bronson Reed. Uh, talk, yeah. Talk to me about Bronson Reed and and how he is now the WWE NXT North American Champion. Oh uh, well, he's the. WWE NXT North American champion because um, he's really good at what he does. And uh, like, he's made a really good impression on, on uh, all the right people. And uh, like, he made, made a really good impression on me. I knew him from uh, um, a tour to Australia and he was over there when I was there and just, man, just one of those really, really likable guys. Yeah. You know? And, and which really like that really helps because there's a lot of really really talented people in like in the ring, you know. Um, and so like uh, extra things like being a decent human being like kind of makes a difference when you have that many guys that are all really good, right? So yeah, and just kind of real quickly uh, talk about how 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 physically difficult it is to hit a top rope splash when you are that size and not murder the person that you are landing on. Can you comment on that? No, I can't. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be 300 plus pounds. And, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've taken plenty of splashes and yeah, you know, things like that from big guys. Okay. And uh, I mean, I just, like, it's impressive. Like a guy moves around in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, I wanted to talk about just cause I'm happy for the guy. Congratulations, Bronson. Uh, like very well deserved pro wrestling for life is brought to you by every plate. Mm. Tell them about every plate, Nick, man. Are you looking to enjoy and experience full plates and still have a full wallet? Cause you know, these things, these, these box food services, they can get really expensive. Well, we have America's best value meal kit here today. You're going to get meals you're going to enjoy and your bank account is going to love them and they're going to be delivered right to your door and they're going to be delivered contact free. So you don't even have to worry. If you still have like pandemic jitters. Don't worry about it. You're going to get the box. 
It's going to have everything in there. And man, I was so impressed with the packaging of this. They had the dry ice at the bottom. They got yeah. fresh packaged sealed meats. And then on top of that, then there's like a, a barrier and there's just a cart of fresh produce. And you get to take this produce and you get to take these meats, things that you maybe never get to work with. You get to create new meals in your home. I had a blast <laughs> doing this with my girlfriend. I don't know if you could tell, Sean, but I really like to cook. And I thought this was a really fun experience getting to bring every plate into my house. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, think of it this way, Nick. One meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of coffee. That's hard to believe, right? Every, better, yeah. every plate dinners are the less expensive and more fulfilling alternative to takeout or delivery. More bang for your buck. Getting dinner on the table daily used to be a challenge, Nick. Now let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and guys, uh, you know, if you're looking to impress a girl, this is the way to do it. So, I mean, if, if you like how good the meals tasted uh, and you did uh, and what you did with the money and the time you saved and what, and what recipes came in the box and, and which was your favorite, if, if you like having great food, this is the box service for you. I was, again, 100% very impressed by it. And, Sean, I think we have a special here if people want to try every plate at home. Yeah. Try every plate for just $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code ProWrestling199. Yeah, that's, that's right, everybody. Everyplate.com slash, or no, every everyplate.com, no slash. Don't put a slash. You just go there, use the promo code ProWrestling199, and uh, that's going to get you up to a $100 value. Awesome stuff, Sean. Wow, yep. Get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off another two weeks by going to everyplate.com and entering code Pro Wrestling 199. That's Pro Wrestling 199 at everyplate.com. Yes, and thank you very much to Every Plate for being an official sponsor of Pro Wrestling for life. Yeah. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Joining us right now, Mustafa Ali. Mustafa, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time, man. Thank, Thank you for you coming for on. Having me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I know it's been a while, but I'm glad we can do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, everyone. This is take two. Yeah. Like we, we, won't, we, yeah we, we won't talk about take one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't turn my phone off. <laughs> Anyways, Mustafa, hey, um, you just now coming to the end of Ramadan, right? Ramadan just finished. Can you talk about being a pro wrestler during Ramadan? Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, I think it, when people hear about someone that's, uh, you know, for those who don't know, uh, during the month of Ramadan, it's a 30-day period where Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. Now, let me preface that again by saying yeah. from sunrise to sunset, people are like, you fast for 30 days? Like, no, it's 30 days, but you, you eat, you know, at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's very, very difficult. It's very, very challenging. Uh, the purpose behind it is so that you get um, a new frame of mind, a new set of eyes as to what you have. You know, uh, we take everything for granted, food, water, clothing, our cars, like yeah. 
and when you are abstaining for something as essential as water like when's the last time you were thankful for a sip of water like it's it's plentiful it's readily available you don't really think of about course. it but yeah. when you're not able to have it and you're going hours and hours and hours and you're competing or you're going to your job or you're taking care of your kids like all of a sudden a glass of water that's like gold to you so you know towards the end of the day you get this empathy and you get this understanding of like there's millions of people across the world that feel the same thirst that you feel right now but you know you're going to get the sip of water like you know it's fact to you uh, uh nick a- everyone knows you're, you're going to get the sip of water but there's millions that have no idea when they're going to get the next sip of water and they're literally dying of thirst once you get that clarity and that understanding of what you have and what you don't have, all of a sudden, all of your complaints seem very minuscule. You know, so that's the purpose behind it. To answer your question, yes, as a as an athlete, I've been doing it uh, as long as I've been wrestling. I've been wrestling about 17, 18 years now. So to wow. me, it's not this big like whoa, like yeah, you know, like I've, it's, I'm it's it's just part of my life now. But yeah, I can understand from you know someone else's perspective that hasn't done it. It's hard, you know, because I keep up with my training. I'm still a father. I'm still a husband. We're traveling, and then. You know, um, especially this this year, um, uh, Ramadan had fallen right when I was doing this thing on main event with uh, with Ricochet. So yeah, I was man. Actually, yeah, I was competing with no food and no water because I would have to break my fast after the match because sunset wasn't until about 8.15, 8.20 in Tampa, which is when Monday Night Raw starts. So main event is taped before. So I was, I was out there dry without a drop of water in me. I, I was going to ask you, like, so what is it like? But obviously, like, when you do anything without water or food, man, like, I mean, I guess the the, the, the energy level and everything, yeah, man, right? Like, I, 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 yes, and also, like, the human body's amazing, man. Like, the stuff, like, think about our injuries. Just, like, Sean, like, the list of injuries you've gone through, yeah. like, you've, re- you've recovered from that. You know what I mean? Like, there was a time where you, you, you know, you're not able to walk or you're not able to sit or you're not able to stand all the way. But over time, over treatment, like, your body just makes these adjustments. So it's the same thing with fasting. I won't lie to you. The first couple of days are like, this sucks. <laughs> but by right. the third or fourth day, you just kind of get acclimated to it. And like, obviously you gotta be smart about it, right? Like I put my training schedule. I'm not doing strenuous yeah. cardio at 2 p.m. in the middle of the day. I do it at night, you know, or I'll do it right before I break my fast. My weight training, I'll do in the middle of the night. So I'm just taking my normal routine and just flipping it. And yeah, you're just kind of conscious about the foods you foods you eat. You're, you know, a little bit more conscious about how much water you're drinking. Uh, WD Medical has been really, really cool. They kind of they know that I know what I'm doing, but they check their head in like, "Hey, kid, make sure you stay hydrated. You feeling okay?" Like that whole deal. Um, but but yeah, uh, it is it's it's amazing what the body can adjust to. Hey man, oh go ahead. Go ahead well, I, I, what's crazy, Ali, to me about this is not just the fact that like you're doing this and wrestling right now, but you say you've been doing this for like 17, 18 years because yeah. yeah you were, you know, on the indies killing it, you know, before you wound up in WWE. But while you were also on the indies, you were also a cop. And now it's all kind of dawning on me, like, what you have been doing, like, the the mental dexterity you've had to have to be just there mentally and physically in so many capacities while doing this. The, it's, really, it's really awesome. The, the weird thing about the, the balancing act, I called it, when I was doing because, like, I, you know, like you had mentioned, I was, I was a police officer. I was wrestling on the independent scenes but i also uh was uh, was uh, newly married and had a had a, my first daughter you know so i was trying to figure all the stuff out and it's it's funny because uh, uh a former uh colleague of mine from the police department texted me today 
to remind me of a funny story. Uh, nobody knew that I was an indie wrestler when I first became a police officer. Nobody knew. It was like a, this, this secret, you know? And the whole reason is I just didn't want them to know. Wow, so really? I, I, I worked the midnight shift. So I would go and do these indie shows, not shower, just throw like my sweatpants on and hoodie, jump <laughs> right. in my car, race to roll call, and I work the midnight shift, and the midnight shift starts at 11 p.m. So at like 10.59 p.m., I come sliding into my chair to sit for roll call, and every day the sergeant was just, he was just looking at me, and I would show up with like cuts and like black eyes, sweat, like all the shovel, not, not showered, not looking like a, like, you know, a police officer with his uniform all tight, like I was barely making it and he keeps like you know he's eyeing me he's eyeing me and i'm just trying to play it cool like and one day he walks over to me he goes and, and my last name is alan he walks over to me goes alan what's your deal kid every day you're showing up with black eyes and scratches on your face what exactly is it that you're doing and again i didn't want anyone to know that I was wrestling so i go uh, i'm learning how to box sir and he goes box and then he leans back real close to me and gets all up in my face. And he goes, well, you must be one terrible boxer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarge. Years, uh, months later, the Cruiserweight Classic happens. That's the first time I'm on WWE television. Everyone finds out in the cup. But yeah, for I haven't gone for almost a year. No one knew that I was uh, living this double life. Are you kidding me, man? Yeah, I, God, they they and you, you think cops would know, yeah. <laughs> background checks and whatnot it didn't come up so so i'm just trying to figure out like what 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 the motivation was for keeping it a secret ali because um uh i i'm just trying to figure that out it was it was it you were worried two, about getting two, ridiculed two, or what two two reasons yeah um it's it was wrestling was always like this type of thing especially growing up in my household like my parents were cool with it but they didn't like brag about it they weren't like oh my son wants to be a wrestler it's right the expectation was your son was supposed to be a doctor or engineer or a lawyer something like that you know so there was one facet of it i just kept it to myself it was my like it was my thing and i didn't i didn't really want to share it with anybody you know like my family yeah. my uh my, again, my mom and dad were always cool with it but they've never been to a show you get what i'm saying it was always sure. like we're not going to stop you, but we're not like supporting it in a weird way either. So, and yeah. the other thing, it was just uh, the landscape of things. When you work in the police department, everything needs to be approved. So if I go to a sergeant, I go, hey, I want to partake in what is deemed as extremely violent, you know, like, because, you know, the Indian show, sometimes you're there, and you've got your act, but there's like a death match after you or there's that you can't control the show. Um, so I knew it was going to be complicated to get it approved. And, and again, it was a new career and I just, my, my judgment call was it's better that they don't know. And, and that's what I went with. And they found out eventually, <laughs> but you got any heat for it? Like what happens? Like, okay. I no, it was classic. Like, oh. Yeah. It was like, well, what's this, what's the deal with this? You know, is this a full time game? And then, you know, you're, you're trying to explain indie wrestling and yeah, yeah. what's helped, what's helped <laughs> me explain it is I, I compare it to like the indie rock scene. I go, it's like being in a band, you know, you yeah. don't really make money off of it. You're playing in these bars and you're trying to get your name out there. But I was like, no, I don't have a contract. I'm not obligated. I go, this is just something I really like to do. And I kind of like really downplayed. Like I didn't tell them like, Hey, I'm not going to be talking to WWE and I'm going to leave here. <laughs> and I want to get out of this profession to go do what I really wanted to do. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the cop stuff is over. So they were kind of, cool with it but they definitely had their eye on me as far as like what 
what exactly are you doing? You know, is there a, is there, uh, but, is there a, I remember there used to be a thing with like no moonlighting allowed. Remember that term moonlighting? I don't know if you, if you remember that term, but it was a thing like do having other jobs on the side. Like I remember yeah, that yeah, you yeah. couldn't used to do that, man. Yeah, any, any, any sort of income from, and, and again, I can't speak for everybody. This, the department that I work for. Just tell them I wouldn't income. get paid. Yeah, it has to be approved. Even if you had a side business, you had to get it approved by the village wow. or the department that, that you work for. So, yeah, no moonlighting. Hey, mm. man, 17 years, huh? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, out in a while. <laughs> wow, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm just, look, have we been on shows together? You and I? Yeah, Dream, yeah, LaSalle. You came down to LaSalle and did some stuff with Dreamwave. Dreamwave. And you, yeah. Yeah, and you were just awesome, and everyone took the, the photo with you, of course. You know? But, yeah, you were, you were awesome. And uh, the the boys loved you. Oh wow! Yeah, I was wondering, man. I because fi- I figure we probably have like most yeah, of the yeah. guys. I, most of the guys I, I, that like are coming up, uh, like so many of them, man. I've been on shows with. That's kind of the cool thing, you know, yeah, about yeah, the guys yeah, these and days. I, and I, I think that show in particular, like I had like some sort of knee injury. So I was helping. Put, I was helping run the show that day it's like the local company that helped me type of deal it was a great company uh, too by the way ollie yeah 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 we we had good money too the, the guy that was backing us had some money so we were able to bring a guy to you uh hurricane and i were talking about the other day too hurricane helms we had brought him in and as soon as i said dreamwave i was like oh yeah i remember them they were great i so, loved yeah. it man because they had a great like setup it was it was a neat little venue that was always yeah. jam-packed full yeah. of people that and the crowds were so hot Man, yeah. if, as long as you were out there working hard, the people were right there, man. Yeah, it was one of those towns where, like, they didn't have a whole lot going on. So when we came in, yeah. it, was, it was a good time, yeah. Well, and, and what I think was so cool about – because I got to know you on the Indies, Ali, which was, you know, yeah. it's, it's a fun thing now. Kind of, I mean, Sean sees you guys. He used to work with you. and Now I have friends that I've worked with that I get to see on TV too. And when I first, like, met you, you were already, like, the vet like everybody was talking about how great you were and wondering why you weren't already signed and that's when i was paired with you for a short while and as your manager and i'll never forget like kind of starting to figure out your story and i had managed some other muslim-esque characters and there were certain routines that you would do yeah yeah the stick yeah yeah we gotta do the stick the stuff that you know you're you're talking you and then when i got paired with you because you were still yeah. Prince Mustafa Ali, you were like Nick. We're not doing any of that. I am yeah, a wrestler, yeah. my manager, and I remember you giving me that speech. It was very clear, and I was like, "This this guy is different." And like <laughs> to see the work, like to see the work you're getting to do, and just kind of knowing where your heart is, like is really refreshing. And that's why I bring up the cop stuff and everything, because you know I know a lot of people like you, and the whole follow the light thing is very inspirational. But you, the person, I mean. You're a very inspirational guy, man. I mean, you get it, and you handled yourself and carried yourself in a way that I didn't get to deal with a lot on the independent scene. You know. Well, well and thank you. That's, that's that's awesome to hear, and I appreciate the kind words. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it, there's something to say when when you genuinely know who you are and what you want to do. You don't come off as like an a hole. You know, what I mean, like that conversation. Could be, oh, I came to Ali, and he was like, "We're not," you know. But you knew where my heart was, and I was explaining yeah. to you. I was like, "Hey, listen, like I grew up and I saw all that crap, and I hated it." Like I yeah. didn't have anyone that looked me. We can still be bad guys, but let's be bad guys because we're bad guys. 
Yeah, we Let's cheated. Not be bad guys. Yeah. I don't want yeah. to be a bad guy because of my name or the color of my skin. Because then hey, it that's was, not fair. Yeah, you know. Nick, Nick, were you, were you wondering where Ali's curly boots were? Curly toe boots, things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Is that what we're talking yeah. about here? Well, yeah, yeah. He, he assumed yeah. she carried me all that stuff, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> well, do you, do you throw fire. I mean, <laughs> literally. Well, here's the thing, and I feel. I feel bad, like, after getting in, like, I felt, like, educated, and I was, like, I'm walking away, I kind of, like, feel bad about things that I've done now, because literally the first manager bit I ever did, they paired me up with a guy, I think, I think he was just called the Sheik, I'm looking at the poster on the wall, but it was, like, he's going to say something short, you're going to say something long is the translation, you'll say, he'll say something long, you'll do something short, that was, like, the first thing I ever did in wrestling, and then one of the last things I did with you, and I'm, like, Wow, man! Like, what a ride! Like, I like this. I like the end of the ride better than the beginning of the ride. This is way more fun. You know? But man, it's it's full circle for everybody because I had started out in wrestling, refusing to do that at all. Like, I didn't want anyone to know that I was Muslim. Yeah. When I first started out, I had a, I had a, a luchador gimmick. You know, I was I put my mask on. I tried to present myself as Hispanic. I didn't want anyone because I knew the minute they find out that this kid is Middle Eastern, I'm not Middle Eastern. But he's Middle Eastern. Uh, <laughs> so I tried to do that, and like I got very little success. Like, don't no heard about me. I didn't break it, and you know, something that I'm not proud about. I mean, we all grow up. I made a bad decision, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm gonna do this this traditional gimmick. You know, I'll put the headdress on. I'll say terrible things about America, and the minute I did that, you know, first flight, you know. I'm getting flown coast to coast. I'm doing. I'm, uh, I'm getting paid. Like so now, all of a sudden, now people hear about me, and then uh, you know, not to get all sappy, but I'll still remember the day. It was in 04, Illinois. It was how many called Elite Pro Wrestling, and I looked out in the crowd, and I, either I got tossed out or something like that. But I locked eyes with this kid that must have been like six or seven years old, like white kid, blonde hair, blue eyes. And when we locked eyes, he jumped out of his chair and he put his fists up. And it wasn't like, ha ha, I got this kid. Like, I really worked him. Like, he genuinely was afraid of people that look like me. And I was like, did I just teach this young, this young kid to hate people that look like me? And this is when all the stuff's happening, you know, like, you know, uh, there's, you know, hate crimes happening to people in the Middle East and ethnicities, you know, this is all post 9-11. So I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is everything you, like, I, I, I kid you guys not. I saw hate and fear in that kid's eyes. Like I saw it, and that's that's the day I was like, I'm not doing this. So you know, I made the conscious decision. I'm going to keep the name Mustafa Ali because I identify with that. But you won't see me doing that crap ever again. And that that's 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 where that's gotten me to where I am today. Well, I don't have to ask you now because like one of the question I was going to ask you is, did you ever like what was the pressure like, and did you ever did you ever like came in and so but obviously yeah you did, yeah right? and and it and it's it's, it's so weird it, you can you know you could say it's so it's hard business. to say no in wrestling it's so hard but it's also like okay i tried to do it the right way yeah and like here's the thing nothing nothing changed in ring like obviously i was a bad guy now right so i wasn't doing these crazy high-flying moves and i and i i but i've always like i'm like i get it like in the ring like i know how it works but something's missing and what was missing was the connection to the audience the minute I put that, you know, that, you know, the towel on my head, as I like to say, or I'm screaming something in yeah. Arabic, I'm connecting with them in a bad way, but I'm connecting with them, you know, and that's yeah. what changed everything. Now, now that, now they care that I'm in the ring. Now they want me to get beat up, you know, um, but at the end of the day, you got to look at the bigger picture. Um, you know, my kids go to school now. 
who knows, maybe one of their classmates went to an indie show or is going to go to an indie show and they're going to see someone that looks like me playing. Like, you just don't know. Domino effect, yeah, right? Man. So I, you can't control what people think. You can control what they see. So I'm going to control what you can see. Yeah. Dude. Um, so, like, how much fun has it been for you getting to go in and play around on the big WWE stage now, man? I mean, a lot of people obviously saw the Daniel Bryan match, fell in love with you, got to know a bit of the story we talked about here on the show. And you've mm-hmm. also got to be like a big bad guy leader of a heel faction at the same time. Like, how has this ride been for you, man, getting to, to play around in WWE? It's, it's, I feel like, again, and I can only speak on my experience and like my perspective of the business and WWE and the industry. It's so funny because I always remember like, oh, if I can, if I just had one match in WWE, I'd be so happy. Just one match. And then that match happens. And then, you know, some of your friends start getting contracts and you go, oh man, if I, I don't care if I lost every match. If I just had one contract with WWE, I'd be so happy to get the contract. And then, you know, you're in NXT. You're like, if I had one match on Monday Night Raw, just one. Yep. One time. So I, and then you get, <laughs> and dude, now it's to the point where like, I'm not on the pay-per-view. What do you mean? Right. I'm not on the, you know, so it's just, it's, it's such a goal oriented business, but it's like, you're constantly chasing this next level of gratification. Some of it's earned, some of it's delusion, whatever. But like, I'm at the point right now where I could sit down with anybody and look them in the eye and tell them I'm one of the best in the world. There's no hesitation, you know, like yeah. in yeah. the ring, on the microphone, doing media, like whatever it is, throw it at me. I don't drop the ball. And I would never have said that eight years ago, maybe six years ago, maybe. But I feel like WWE just makes you up your game like no other. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you at the age that I'm at right now, at the time that I spent with the company, am I where I want to be? Absolutely not. I feel like. I'm supposed. Here's the camera. I'm, I'm supposed to be way up here. You know what I mean? But I'm yeah. not. And some of yeah. that stuff's out of my hands. But you know, I could sit and complain, or I can go out there and create. And and that's what I choose to do. If one door closes, I'm gonna try to find the next door. And if that door is not available, I'm gonna make a door. I'm gonna make it. You know. So I'm still on that path to finding my my spot at the top of the card. Um. But yeah, it's been wild, man. As I you know, before we got on air, we were talking about. You know, me moving, I just told you, I just bought my dream home. That wouldn't have been possible without WWE. You know, I, I've i got a beautiful wife, two healthy kids. I'm I'm so blessed, but I know that blessing also came from hard work. You know what I mean? Like, I got to put in that work. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. You go from, oh, I just wish I, you know, have one match to, like, why am I not getting this, you know? But, again, I think that's the nature of our business. Like, you you – you achieve, and then you want the next thing. Oh yeah, that was how it was for me. For me, Ali, I, I just at first, I just wanted to be the guy in the first match. I just wanted to be a part of the show. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, a, don't care just, if, you don't care if you get run over or nothing. You just want just, to be out there. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be involved. I just want to be a part of this amazing thing that like is magic to me, right? And then like, yeah, like you said, man, you just it's not enough. Like you got to keep on making new goals. Like. Yeah. yeah, man, and that's how. So it, it, hey. But it's it's one thing if you know, uh, you know when you're kind of lying to yourself too. You know what I mean? Like I can remember a time in my career where I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm no, no one better than these two guys." Or you're in the ring with the guy and you go, "Holy smokes, that guy!" Like he carried me. Or like I'm at the point now where I go, "No, oh, I, I, I not only should I be in that match, I'm upset that I'm not in that match." You know what I mean? So sure. Like, 
And that's not that's not coming from a guy that just walked into the company. This is coming from a guy again that's put 17, 18 years in and has danced with AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio. Like I know I can hang. You yeah, I mean? those so guys know too. Totally yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm, you can ask Randy. Randy's a big fan of me. Like, oh no, I'm being serious. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't get why they haven't figured out what to do with you yet. So, like, yeah. you know, when you, when when a guy like that signs off on you, like, you're like oh, he said it. Like, you know. Yeah. Hey, man. The thing is, is that is you have it together. You got a good head on your shoulders, man, and just just stay the course. Like, yeah, uh, that's the most important thing, man. And don't take yourself out of the game, whether it's like screwing up or, you know, like obviously when you get hurt, man, there's nothing you can do about that. You yeah, just got to push and through. That, but And that, that happened to me, right? You know, living in Asian Chamber, 2019, yeah. I think it was. It, I got hurt and I, and I tried everything, man. You know, I really tried to, to push through and make it happen. But once they know, and, and, and thank God they did what they did, right? Like they... Sometimes as athletes, we're a little stubborn headed and like we feel like we can control everything out there. And, you know, once they pull the plug on it, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't think I really recovered from that sense that as far as, you know, getting back into the WWE title picture, you know, like I, I dance around it and you, I get some momentum. But, you know, I was in a prime spot, you know, that, that was once in a lifetime, literally. So hopefully it's twice, you know. <laughs> of course. Back in, yeah. So what I want to real quick to kind of on the 2019 Elimination Chamber thing, because obviously that was the launch of Kofi Mania. We're now getting Kofi Mania two. It would seem after Monday Night Raw. Um, but what were going into the chamber before the concussion happened? What was your idea of the direction you were going? Did you have an idea like of what you what you thought this you know, next would be post pay per view? And, and I mean, Sean could testify to this too. You never get like here's the six month plan that we're gonna do. You know, things are changing rapidly, but. When they're texting you the week before, you know, um, the, the SmackDown where Kofi had the gauntlet match, you know, to, uh, you know, um, I think it was to determine the order of the Elimination Chamber purchase. I'm not sure. Or maybe I'm not sure. But, you know, Kofi beat like five of the best, you know, going into it. Um, yeah. The, the text message I got the week prior to that was like, how's your cardio? Do you think you can handle <laughs> And I was like, uh I, I don't think anyone on the roster can blow me up. So I think I'll be fine, you know? Oh. And so that's kind of like the direction, you know, I got the Iggy of be ready, you know, like, you know, something's coming up for you. Just be ready, be ready, be ready. It was never, this is exactly what we're going to do. But, you know, when when six or seven very high ranking officials are telling you to be ready, um, you kind of know your opportunities, at least yeah. around the corner, you know? Hey, man. So that's all I knew. Yeah. Hey, man, look, look. I really like what I'm hearing out of your mouth, man, as far as you're very confident. You're not afraid to say, hey, man, this is who I am. I'm right up here with with everybody. Right. But you, but the humility, man, that still comes through. Man, it's, oh, it's really you, man. breath of fresh air. I don't like to use that breath of fresh air uh, uh, term too much, but but it is, Yeah, man. thank it you, is. John, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate Dude, like, it's you've got people that that know you and then ground you and i have this one on all the things that have happened with uh my career and you know the ups and downs of one thing that always sticks out in my mind is something my wife said you know we were talking about like money and this and you know um you know like everything that comes into wrestling and she's like the only thing i want the only thing i'm asking you she's like i don't care if you're on tour 
300 days a week. I don't care this. I don't care that. The only thing, my one request is don't let it change you. Don't let this oh. business change you. She's like, I just, I, I love you. And like the way you look at the world and how you treat people. And the way she said it, it was like so heavy, man. And like, I, I, I carry that with me. When I'm mad, I'm like, screw this guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut his leg. You know, that's not me. Yeah. Like, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Like I can stick up for myself. But I can't, I can't go around and sabotage you. Like I, it's just not in me. And anytime I'm tempted to do that or think like that, I just her voice is just like, don't let this, don't let the entertainment industry, you know, don't let everything your your goals, your, don't let it change you. Because often what happens now, you get these people that are like all bright eyed, and then in a few years they're all bitter and angry and you know trying to cut each other down in some aspects of it, you know, but. I, I don't it's want to sad, do right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's sad, and but it's also understandable, you know. Like it's kind of like, and it's and it's in any sport, I think, any industry. Yeah. It's so competitive, but um, I, I can compete, but I, I'm gonna keep, keep being me too, you know. Yeah, I I have a lot of like a lot of obviously people my from my generation and uh, and that um have that issue, man. There's a lot. They're kind of bitter, and you know. uh Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a sad man, uh, and I hate to see yeah, it. Yeah, um, and it's and it's and it's it's understandable. Like you know, you got to realize. And again, this wasn't quote unquote officially the plan, but I'm sitting in the back watching Kofi battle Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship and win it. And as beautiful as moment Kofi is, right? As be- and they're 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 cutting to shots and the, uh, people crying. I myself am overwhelmed because I'm so happy for him. But there's that small little thing in your head. You go, you didn't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. was that you? You know? So that's, yeah. that's, that's the nature of what we do, you know? I think a lot of people were, were thinking that, Ali. That's why I wanted to know a little bit more about the whole circumstances around that. Because I think yeah. a lot of people and is happy. I mean, it, look, uh, great for Kofi Kingston as all. Well. Everybody's a big Kofi Kingston fan. But it is Why hard. don't you just pick the scab and pour some salt on it, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It hurts. It would hurt to watch. But anyway, you're in a place right now, Ali. Like you say, you, you know you're you're able to go with everybody. You and Ricochet have just had these bangers oh, wow. over on main event, and I feel like you, you're at a point where you've just reminded everybody how good you are. There's energy around you again, and you could kind of go kind of any direction right now. Like where where yeah. would you like to see yourself go right now? What do, what would you like to see your uh, next step? You know, it, it's it, it's very interesting. The main event stuff happened because you know with the after the fallout with retribution which was kind of like you know again plans changed with that you know um i'm kind of sitting there for a few weeks realizing that they don't really know where to put me and the request was simple i just knocked on vince's office i said hey if you don't have something for me right now i get it i'm the type of talent where if i don't use it i'm gonna lose it i was like you gotta get me in the ring you gotta like i need i I need to perform can I just have Ricochet for four weeks on main event? And he's like, what's oh, the story? Wow. And I and he goes, what's the story? And I go, competition. That's it. Doesn't need to be anything elaborate, nothing fancy. We don't need any gimmick matches. We don't need any. And I go, and you know me, boss. Like, we'll 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 carry it. We'll do all our own promos. And it was kind of like a it wasn't like sure. It was like, okay, we'll see. And then the first match happened. And then the second match happened. And now the third match happened. And Maybe there's a fourth match coming up. We'll see, you know. But it, yeah, it, it it was one of the things where like we went and just did it ourselves. And like as much 
love as the matches are getting. I think the promos that we're doing on our own are getting just as much love, if not more, maybe. Uh, and it's this kind of thing where I just want to like, oh, you, y'all forgot about me for a second. Let me remind you real quick. Like, right. Put, put me in the ring and you guys will go, wow. Give me a microphone or a camera and you guys will go, wow. Um, and that's what it is sometimes, man. Again, we look at just WWE right now. We're not talking about all the, the wrestling world. Just WWE, there's so much content that comes out. So you have to be able to constantly engage the audience and remind them. Because once you're not in the mix, man, like you, you guys are, you know, oh, you know, we, we love Ali, but, you know, after a while, if Ali's not on your screen, if you don't see him popping up on Twitter or Instagram, you're going to forget about me. It's, and it's just natural. Uh, so that was just my way of, like, staying relevant, getting, like you guys said, reminding people just uh, who the hell I am, you know? Yeah. yeah hey, man. man. Hey, I just – I don't want to get too too much into the uh, retribution stuff except to just compliment you, man, on your work on that. Like, no – hey, yeah. look, man. They gave you something, yeah. and you did the absolute best you could with it, and 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 you did That's some really you. good, really good work on the mic, man. Really. Oh, good thank you, God. thank you. Yeah, uh, one of the, you know, and it, it, it's not sour grapes. Obviously, I feel like the vision, what the plans again? Plans always change. Something's yeah. given to me, and I was like, oh, surely we're gonna go this way, and then it doesn't. Um, and you know. The, the the biggest again not sour grapes but the thing I wish I could have saved it made it a little bit more presentable was if we just explained to the crowd who we are and why we're here and I remember yeah. I cut this again I cut this promo where I explained uh, why each member had these names and these masks people are like why do they have such you know I'm I'm looking for the right term here such questionable names you know. What are the reasons for these names? And I had delivered this, this I thought, profound, like, oh, my God, we get it. The reason that I gave the members of Retributions these names and these masks is because I wanted them to feel what I feel. I wanted them to have a funny name. And I wanted them to be judged by how they look. So I gave them masks. I gave them names. And look what happened. You people ridiculed them. You judged them. You put them down just like you did to me. And I remember like presenting this and like, oh, surely this is going to like make TV and like save the group. And it was just like, yeah, I got great traction online, but we never got to tell that story right. yeah. on TV. So now you just have these guys with masks and guys and girls with masks and names. And, that, and Sean, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm directing to Sean because he's been in the ring and he knows, but Sean, you know, it's all about the why. Why yeah. are you doing the move? Yeah. Why why do you come out with this jacket? Why do you do this gesture? Like if the crowd knows the why, then they care. They don't know why, they don't care. So that was my like that was my retribution hang up. That was my one thing I wish I could like let us let us say why. And I don't think we ever answered that question. I just but I like I said, man, I just thought I thought you what they gave you to work I, with. I they thought you did fantastic. <laughs> hey, man, can, I, can we talk Thank about you. your style, your in-ring style? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's very emulated by someone, and it's not me. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I see some similarities. And I'm not talking about, Ali, I'm not talking about, like, and, and dude, I, I'm grateful, man. It's an honor to have someone like you with your with your talent, you know. Come on, man. You know, hitting the, hitting the X Factor and all these different yeah. uh, varieties of X Factor. It's just it makes me feel really good, man. Um, yeah, man. Uh, but but more than more than just doing 
some it's like there's some similarities in your style because here's how I see your style. Like obviously there's a there's a junior heavyweight like high flying aspect to it, but there's more main event style. Like my friends and I called it main event style with main event psychology and and just it's more integratable uh, with the bigger guys. You know, uh, yeah. it's not. Am I, am I am I am I describing it right? I I. I... One, it's a huge honor for you to describe it as that. But two, I think, you know, not to you know pull the curtain back too much, but I think if you see some of the matches I have, I get put in certain positions because the higher-ups are saying what you say. They go, well, we don't know. This guy needs a little bit more grounding. Put him with Ali. Yeah. He'll get the he'll get the, the main event styling, as you said, done. Uh, because here's the thing, man. WWE is loaded with talent loaded and like everyone's like who's the most underrated like no one's underrated a lot of people are underutilized yes. once you figure out what i'm good at you put put me with someone that might lack in that department and then that's how you elevate each other you know like so i think that's where the magic uh comes from and yeah uh you know and it, it's and, and it's you're you're wrestling for that audience you know so when i'm on 205 live there's certain type of match structures that are expected but even then i was like well we can do the high flying stuff, but what's this—that's the number one. What's the what and why? What's the story? Yeah. What's the story? You know, and you know, and people are like, you know, let's work a body part, okay? But why? Like, you know, like why are you going after my leg when my finisher? I use my arms. Wouldn't you want to go after my arm? You know, like I would. I, I'm that guy. I, you know, where I'm like, and sometimes that me might be a little bit annoying because some people just want to put something basic together and, and go out. And, do their best of, but I, I, I always ask the why. Um, but that means a lot coming from you, man. And yeah, like my confidence in the ring is at an all time high, which is like kind, of, kind of kind of ironic because you know, like our schedule has slowed down so much. We're like, now nah, you're not, not having these 20, 25 minute matches. I'm not, you know, uh, I, I, the, only, the only time I would say my confidence was equally as high as uh, when I was doing the SmackDown live tours and me and Shinsuke were running matches back to the IC title and every night Shinsuke would just want to like, he was down to tear it up. It doesn't matter where yeah, we're at. Man. We would switch up the match and like, we would just go. And I just remember like, walk, like, you know, give me anybody. Like I can, like, you know, like I'm just ready. Cause like Shinsuke is like one of those guys again where he's why, you know, why are we doing this way? And he's never a guy that wants to like, quote unquote, run it back the same way. You know, he always, every night, every time just, what else can we do? What can we change? Like, you know, like, and sometimes up there, he would just go a different direction and like, okay, I'm going this way now. And that stuff was fun. And I, and I genuinely miss, that's the one thing I miss about touring is just getting in the ring and trying different things and part of life. Right? How do you stay sharp? Like, cause we were always, we were always working, man. Like we didn't have to, like, I'd never have to go practice in a ring my whole career. Yeah. Once I started for yeah. the most part, for the most mm -hmm. part, mm -hmm. uh, because we were always sharp, man. Like, um, and like, do you feel like, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I how, how do you, how do you compensate for that? It, you got to take it upon yourself, you know? So call times a certain time. We've, we've got a practice ring back there. You know, uh, we, we do what we have to do with, with, with today's pandemic going around. So I get tested yeah. and the minute I clear, I, I, I get there as I can, Sean, before the show, you know, and I'm rolling around running drills by myself. Uh, also, what kind of pushed me to do that was I, I unfortunately I tore my PCL uh, earlier, or sorry, late last year, and into the beginning of this year. So I was trying to 
I was getting in the ring to learn how to work around it. You know, like how do I yeah. avoid, you know, things that, you know, make it agitated or whatnot. And I'm very, very fortunate, man. Like the knee is a lot better. The, the pair is very, very manageable. I'm not in nearly as much pain as I was before. Um, and that's all thanks to getting in the ring and trying to figure it out. Because, you know, as the older we grow and, you know, the injuries, you know, pile up, you kind of have to figure out what works, what doesn't work, or what agitates it. But, yeah, now it's just on me. I just try to get in the ring Monday morning before the show and, 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 and try to get as many reps as I can. But, yeah, it's nowhere near what it was before. And you can't emulate a live crowd in a live match. You just can't. No way, man. Nope. Yeah. Um, well, dude, Ali, I want to thank you so much, uh, for taking time to stop by the show and talk to Sean and I, I mean, you're still very young. We're all very young. Hopefully we can do this again down the road sometime. Um, but dude, like seriously, I, I'm glad, I'm so glad Sean brought up the style stuff at the end because obviously I like you and I wanted to get everybody together. But as soon as I saw the X factor stuff, I was like, well, this is a natural layup. Like there's (laughs) to get Ali and Sean together. Yeah. I remember seeing, and this this is not to be taken the wrong way, by this is a funny story. But like, I remember seeing Sean backstage one time, and he's like, "I'm just, I'm just finally glad that there's like a guy doing the X Factor." Like, you know, for a couple of years, like, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm which so is fine, yeah, which is yeah. fine." But he's like, you know, I was just like, "Hey, I'm one of the guys. None of the guys want to do my stuff." But I was like, "Don't worry, Sean, I got you." Bro. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's thank you, man. <laughs> hey man, uh, hey congratulations on 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 life, dude. Uh, I've won. You're I've a great won. dude. So thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you very much, Sean. And it means a lot coming from you, dude. Thanks for having me on the show, yeah, man. man. I, I, just, I apologize. No, I'm whatever, man. Time. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just happy <laughs> to have you on, dude. Yeah. And, you, hey, have an awesome day. Man. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is the retrospective segment, and joining me right now is a dear longtime friend of mine, and uh, someone that as soon as we start doing this segment, I'm like, well, we got to get Wade on. Anyways, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Wade Keller from the Pro Wrestling Torch, one of my dearest friends, uh, like gave me exposure. Uh, well, now we're going to talk about that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, we're going back to the beginning. Yeah, let's yeah. just talk about it. Let's just get right. So what, what are we going to talk about today, Wade? So, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your earliest days in Minneapolis-St. Paul. You were six, 15? When did you come up to Minneapolis-St. Paul? To start oh, no, I was, I was 17. 17, by okay. The, by the yeah. time I got up to, Min- to Minnesota. So then, I, yeah, I was, I was 17 or 18 at the time. We're both, yeah. you're like a little younger than me, but by a few months. And so it was really cool. I mean, I was a teenager starting the Processing Torture Newsletter, super into everything. And then somebody showed up for the first time ever my like in my age bracket so we just like bonded right away i remember i remember sitting in my bedroom slash office at my mom's house calling you for the first time and i didn't know if i should say is lightning there is kid there is lightning kid there uh-huh. and then and then you were like oh call me sean i was like oh wow okay that 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 makes some sense and you told me your name so i remember that, i have that distinct memory was i living with marvin yet then or was it was i still living up in uh duluth i think you're with marvin yeah yeah, yeah, so anyway, I'm I'm yeah. just I'm like two hours north of Duluth right now. Hey, so wait, what are your uh, what are your first uh, memories of me coming to Minnesota? Just the the rope the it was Georges and Fridley, and then we might interchange and call it Ropers and Fridley because they changed their name. But this small nightclub off yeah. the off the Mississippi River, um, in just what five minutes north of downtown Minneapolis, roughly. Yeah, 
About yeah. five, ten minutes. Five, yeah. yeah, kind of an minutes. industrial area. Yeah. And it's still, the last I saw a couple years ago, it's still there, but it's not operate. It's just, you know, boarded up. But It was actually just a, just like right down the road from Grandma B's, the big famous, you know, yes. bar yes. Where, where the Road Warriors and, you know, all these people used to beat the shit out of everyone. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, it was yeah. a right famous, in that neighborhood. Mean, that that area of, of Minneapolis, and it's not that far from Robbinsdale, where Rude was yeah. from, and uh, Mound, Minnesota, where Greg Gagne was. And, like, and very... right across, like literally, like right across uh, the river, uh, like is like Northside Gym, what used to be Scott Norton's gym, and the yep. biking. Gym. Like, anyways, took all this cool stuff right in that area. But it was, so wait, yeah. wait, the thing I like. So my memory was a little fuzzy because. At first, I was thinking, oh, like my first time at at George's slash Ropers at Ridley, my first like, uh, you know, appearance there. I at first I was like, oh, it was with my match with Ricky Rice, but it wasn't. It was I I made this appearance and like there were some kids like that. They were kind of almost backyard wrestling type guys, like Crusher Crossing or something oh. like that. Anyway, I did like a weird little segment with them. Yeah, in the ring and but like I didn't feel good about it because like like I like you know I was a real trained pro wrestler you know yeah like, yeah they were, you didn't like, look like <laughs> it but you were yeah yeah right yeah no <laughs> so there was that little thing but like mainly like the the my my strongest memory of of that period is um, coming out to the ring and well I was wearing Wellington Wilkins Juniors. Uh, <laughs> Yellow and black zebra type stripes with the tassels yes, hanging yes, off them. That, yes, which, yes. which, like, I don't know what the hell got into me that night, Wade, because, um, you know, I usually wore like a three piece, like Calgary style, uh, you know, singlet tights and, and trunks combo, like that. That and and I don't know why I wore that that night, Wade, uh, right. and it and it didn't help my cause much, like for first impressions wise. Like this, I'm the skinny kid, like. Pale as a ghost, pale, <laughs> yeah. pale as a ghost, were, yeah. wearing these crazy, uh, you know, zebra stripe tights that look like they, they actually were made by the same people that made Randy Savage's stuff. Oh, wow. Michael and I, Tony. It, that, yeah, that totally brings back memories of that now. Yeah, I remember your first your first ring gear. I mean, because to get the setting, I mean, Roper's or George's and Fridley, it was a nightclub. It was uh, not a high-end super popular you'd hear it on the radio stations come out to george's on friday it wasn't like that it was a kind of a dive place yeah. but it had a basement to change in um so there's this whole basement that was just the locker so i have a lot of memories there talking to tom zank you know hanging out with him and um uh oh who was the uh I'm trying to think of like the luminaries who traveled through there i mean i met so many people uh, you know adnan was oh she got oh she had none yeah there. Yeah. Like there was a lot of people coming in and out of there. Way big names. Who, like I, I remember like one of my first times there. Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant was there. Yep, I, I I remember interviewing Jimmy Valiant, and he was like spitting into his, you know, spitting the tobacco the whole time. Gave like three word answers. I ended up losing the tape of the interview. It's the only interview I did that I've lost the tape of. But it was cool. But I don't think people missed out on much. It was very very short answers when I interviewed him. But yeah. a lot of tobacco was spit. Um, who did uh? Who did Hawk team with in Japan? Uh, the, the Japanese. Kensuke Sasaki. Thank you. Yes. Um, so they came. I mean, it was like, for whatever reason, like, because it was a wrestling market, a lot of people lived there and stuff. People came through. But, I mean, the attendance was reported at what? You know, 300, but it was probably more like 
60 no, or 120. No, 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 wait. Most no of the time. Way. Okay. No way. It was every bit of 300 people in there. Every bit, wait, I promise you. All right. Uh, that is no exaggeration. Now, Ray Webby used to say there would be seven, 800 people. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. That All was right, bullshit. Yeah. I met cool people who I know to this day. Like, it was the the hardcore fans of the Twin Cities. That's where they would go because they knew – you know, it, it just the late 80s, it wasn't an indie boom period yet, but it was the beginning of an indie boom right. period. And there was this buzz. Um, it's pre internet. AWA, AWA still existed. Yeah. But like, we were like, it, PWA was kind of doing better than them almost, like in a weird I know. way. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like Derek, I mean, but it was almost a feeder system, kind of like NXT was, is to WWE. It was sort of a very, not a friendly one, but a feeder system to the AWA. A lot of guys, a yeah. good handful of guys got work in the AWA. Uh, Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes, the Top Guns, got some work in the AWA. Jeff Warner went there. Larry the Butcher Cameron. Um, who am I? For, uh, Jer- uh, you know, obviously you and Jerry Lynn were the yeah. most distinct memory from there. Ricky, Ricky the Prophet Rice though was like the he was the star of that era. He was the headliner, the champion. He worked in Calgary briefly. Uh, do you remember that story, Sean? He went up there and then like yeah. ran. He ran home, like just. Yeah. Ran home from Calgary, like the yeah, it wasn't for him. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, from Edina. He's like a young yeah. from Edina. Yeah, after like, like five this. after like five days, I think he just in the middle of the night just grabbed his bag and ran five hundred miles home. And yeah, uh, there yeah. was a weird, there was a weird little like ex, like uh, I don't know, like an express from, from <laughs> Minnesota to Calgary, right? Yeah. Like I yeah. I almost went there from Minnesota. Yeah, 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 but they just so, closed yeah. down. But you were you were like the buzz generator. I mean, the style wise, you were so distinct with your look, and you can make you know you can like make fun of oh I wore those tights order. But what you were able to do was one thing in terms of the flying moves, along with obviously credible mat skills. Like what you yeah. did with Wellington Wilkins Jr. was a it was like you know what you'd imagine Dean Malenko and who uh, against each like who's a modern. Yeah, it was UWF style. It yeah, was yeah, Japanese UWF style. Yeah, it was. I mean, what it it it, it looked like a shoot, and you were a part twisted. of it was. Yeah, he was twisting you into knots, but you were there was respect there. And I was kicking the living shit out of him. I just <laughs> talked to well. I just talked yeah. to him a couple of months ago. And, Did you? Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, I just he was so much. He he, he had so much strength on me. There was oh, not a lot, was, like I was at his mercy. <laughs> you were t- you not were gonna lie. You were taller than him, but yeah, it seemed like he could stretch you and was stretching you. But yeah. it was clear, it was clear you weren't like crying like a bait. Like there was mutual respect. He wasn't just trying to like humiliate you and you were holding yeah. your own, but he wasn't going at 100% trying to snap your limbs or anything. But it was fascinating to watch. But it was your matches with, with Jerry Lynn that just like jumped off the radar and made you both of you worthy of national acclaim. But so, but, but wait, my, my, my big memory is getting into the ring, standing across yeah. from, from my, the match that kind of put, put me on the map there was my match with Ricky Rice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I remember seeing you sitting by ringside, like <laughs> yep. vividly remember you with your camera yep. and everything. Yep. And I remember everyone laughing at me and then like we did a couple of things and then I dove out onto the floor yep. and the people went fucking ape shit, Wade. That wasn't they, a thing done a lot then. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think ever. And yeah. then I hit him with the German suplex. Like I was doing wrestling stuff. Like yep. that was the thing, man. Like all I had to do was like show my craft because like okay, Brad Rangans trained guys well. And like, you know, Jerry Lynn was trained well and certain guys like that. But like Eddie's guys, they weren't really trained well in, in the wrestling stuff. They they knew how to so, throw a clothesline. They could throw yeah, a clothesline. Yeah. yeah. Just, boom. 
Yeah. Yeah, but like that's just that's <laughs> yeah. just the way so, it yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. You the, know, the, I, yeah, you're you're you the the quality of wrestling. I mean, like the uh, the Derringer brothers were cool. They were good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're a little kind Matt of the young bucks. Matt and Brett Derringer. They were this tag team. They were smaller guys. And I actually had like my second match in at Ropers. It was either second or third with with Matt Derringer. I believe that. Really, yeah, yeah. It was the same night that Jimmy Valiant was there. Okay, it was the same night yeah. William Man was there, but um. And they were the, those, I, they were like the young bucks. I would compare them to the young bucks, sort of. Yeah. I mean, ta- young, undersized, not super muscular, tassels, flying moves. They and they went to they went to Calgary and ended up coming back pretty quick too. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were a little um, ahead of their time. I mean, maybe they would have they would have been jobbers in you know any other era, and then maybe ten years later they would have had a, a like they would have been more inspired and motivated to kind of continue on. I mean, I. I they were they were one of the top attractions match quality wise. We'll put it that way. Wow, we're saying we're talking about some people here. People are probably going, well, "Who the fuck I, yeah, are they well, talking about?" <laughs> yeah. But it's just these are memories, man. I just want yeah, to have yeah. you. I just want to have you on, you know, because it, it brings back well, all these old memories, man. Like what, my what, matches what did, with Jerry Lynn. What did the the, the intimate atmosphere in a at George's uh, with you know there's people sitting at booths, sitting at tables, whatever, and then standing or sitting at ringside. Everyone drinking and everybody drinking. Yeah. It was, it was, it was in, it was, I want to say, I don't want to say informal, but like the start time wasn't always adhered to. Like it was, it was kind of loose, but when the wrestling yeah. happened, the people in the building were, were hardcore, you know, like they, they knew they were seeing something progressive and special in between or after the matches that were just sort of indie guys trying oh, yeah. to you know, learn the ropes. And what did that mean to you to go through that, that era of, early in your career, having that feedback from people who were regulars, who recognize that what you were doing was actually next level and worthy of, Hey, this skinny kid's going to go somewhere. It was just the most important thing in the world to me, Wade. Like, yeah. I mean, that was, it was what I was craving. Like I was so thirsty for it, man. I was so hungry for it. And I mean, dude, I mean, you know how I was back then, Wade. Like, I mean, I lived, I mean, and a lot of us do. Yeah. And a lot of guys do that are in it now and everything. Man, but I can only speak for myself in that when I woke up, when I was dreaming that night, I was dreaming about wrestling yeah. and dreaming about about doing that. And like, and those crowds were so, uh, you know, because they would tell you how they felt, Wade. Yeah, you know, and 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 they always, uh, pretty much always seemed to approve. Like, and it was it felt great, man, because like they would shit on stuff if it wasn't very good. Like they would laugh. I mean, they but that, I mean yeah. they appreciated yeah. hard work. Yeah, you know, like but. But and you know, because I mean, you have like guys like Ravishing Ronnie would be on the card too, like hard workers. But yeah. you remember him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like was, the only was... guy, the only guy I couldn't have a good match with. <laughs> <laughs> Raging. What about Raging Red Tyler? Like he was the most like withdrawn, shy guy who got into wrestling I've ever known. Yeah, and he was a badass. Yeah. And they also, yeah, he was totally. One, see, there was also these like a lot of those guys. You remember like this guy that used to set the ring up. His name was Ron Peterson. He was also yep. a, bo- a boxing promoter. Yeah. So like on the boxing on the boxing cards in Minneapolis, sometimes you'd see Red Tyler. Mm-hmm. Like they were supposed to be doing jobs, but they were so tough. Sometimes they would win. Like Ricky, <laughs> like Ricky Rice yeah. won. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what was great about George's is, and again, later Ropers are the same thing. Just to yeah. remind people, they changed their name. But the thing that was so cool about it is it was so. It was like right out of a gritty movie, like the characters that came through were so authentic. You know, Ron Peterson, the boxing yeah. promoter, 
and the just weird mix of of people who decided to try to become wrestlers. And then you had people like me, this you know like skinny sixteen year old aspiring or you know eighteen year old at that point journalist doing a print newsletter at the at the pioneering stages of wrestling journalism as opposed to just you know magazines you know playing along with storylines and like it was just this conglomeration of like all these different things that would sort of define the 90s and but it also was a callback to the 60s 70s and 80s like i feel like i got i was this overlap of the future but i got a firsthand experience the grit and the 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 con man the you know the ray webby types the eddie sharky types the tom zank types you know the, the like it was just such a like awesome oh, mix like, of what you'd see what Wally Carbo would be there with Al yes. Jerusha. Like. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, see, yeah, people just sh- you never knew who was going to show up. And the AWA had this rich history. And then you talked about the neighborhood being such a big thing. Like people just like lived. I'm trying to think if did Kurt Henning ever show up there? I know I, no. I saw him at other places. I don't think he came to Georgia. So uh, he might have came there like with me once after I was already working to work at Prevent. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think so. I remember Mick Karsh. Uh, Mick Karsh was a regular there. Um, he he also did a wrestling block, did some AWA uh, ring announcing for the AWA in Las Vegas and ESPN. And I always remember him sitting downstairs. And when somebody would come downstairs, he was old school, so he'd go kayfabe, kayfabe. Right. Somebody who wasn't on the show would wander downstairs. And I had, you know, I w- I'd never been around that atmosphere before, so it was my, it just like you would. I mean, it was like this immersion into this world that you adapted to super quickly. I mean, you felt like you belonged there. I, I sense oh, like. Yeah. You were this 17-year-old kid, and you were like, this is my world. These are my people. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, like, I ended up – like, I felt like Jerry and I ended up being the top guys on, on those shows. Yeah. You know? And, and we felt like it. And, and we felt like we earned it. And the people and the people accepted us as that. Totally. And it was a really great dealing. There, there, was, we, a pr- there was a we pride were in the that land we were of giants. It. We were yeah. in the land of giants, right? Yep. It was still yep. like a pretty, pretty good sized locker room, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Jeff Warner, yeah. Larry Cameron, Ricky Rice was bigger than you guys, just physique wise and height similar. Um, and you know, the Derringer brothers were small. Uh, Tommy Ferrara was like, uh, he's oh like the God. Tommy Dreamer of ECW in the sense of like the just the heart and soul of of that building. Who wasn't probably going to go anywhere else, but man, did he? Oh, did he have you talked to him? No, but I, I he's still around. Like good, I, good. I hear from other people that have run into him or whatever, but yeah. like people like Tommy Ferrara, I think Tommy might've gone to Calgary for a second too. I think so but, too. So yeah. Tommy Ferrara was this guy. He was like, he was older. Like he was for, for like just starting out wrestling. Yeah. But like he was one of those North Northeast Minneapolis guys. He yeah. was smaller. He was like five, nine, like 200 pounds ish. Yeah. Uh, but he was a badass, like yeah. a legit badass in Min- in Minneapolis like with all those other guys like you're talking about like that were legendary in in in, yeah. this, in Minneapolis like locally Tommy Ferraro <laughs> was right up there like yeah. Tommy Ferraro worked at Grandma B's and like got in a fight with Pedro Morales, Peter Maivia and like Billy Robinson all at the same time wow yes yeah he was, and he, he held his own too like some people say yeah. oh he won the fight but like you know whatever but yeah, yeah. Uh, like just the fact that he went toe to toe with all three of those fucking guys at the same time. But the thing for you at that era was you were totally accepted. You earned the respect of people like Tommy Ferrara, uh, who are local legends and had a reputation. You earned the respect of like 
you know, Mick Karshes who were shooting photos in the 70s at ringside at the AWA's biggest shows. You're in the respect of Ray Webby or Leon um, and Eddie Sharkey, you know, a, a referee and junior heavyweight wrestler and, and promoting legend in there. Like it just, they embraced you because they knew that you were, you were something special. You weren't just some, you know, wannabe I, backyard wrestler. Wait, I could also like handle myself uh, a little bit in the ring, yes. like as far as on the mat and whatever. Like one time, yeah. Randy Gus, Randy Gustos from University of North Dakota. It's like three hundred pound guy, right? Yeah, all he was all American. He yep. told we we were at Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb would be a comparison, something like that, Bo body wise. Yeah, yeah, but Je Randy wasn't the wrestler Jeff Cobb was, but he was. Still oh, I, I mean, just physically, just yeah. to paint a picture for people. Yeah, he was still an all American, and he told me if yeah. you could, he told me he said if you can take me, I'll buy you a steak dinner, and like he was so much bigger than me, and he ra started ragdolling me. Yeah. Anyways, I snuck a uh, I snuck a leg lock in on him, and he screamed and fucking. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got lucky, like, cause like if he knew what he was doing, if he wasn't just a wrestler, like, I don't yeah. know if I'd have been able to get that on him. But uh, yeah, but I mean, guys, I hate to sound like that, like I almost no, but... pat myself on the back, but like, you know, they they respected me, like that I could take care of myself too. You 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 know, for a guy that's... my size. And, and that factored into my coverage of you, too. I mean, I knew that you were you could handle yourself. I mean, you were, uh, I don't know, deceptively tough in a world of just, like, muscular guys. You would be able to just, I mean. Oh, I used to get could, all kinds of fights at Minnesota way when I was scrappy. that age. Oh, yeah. my God. I had this chip on my shoulder because I wanted to prove, like, yep. I could hang out. With the, like, you know, I could run with these guys. You know, yep. uh, some of the fights I got in, I uh, – some of them were me just trying to be a tough guy. Like, like I just hit somebody. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> oh, I think the, man. Statu I, the statute of limitations has run out on that. It's silly. But, so, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I, but man, you were so important to my early days of like getting, you know, exposure and getting the word out there, man. Like, um, you know, I want like, honestly, if I would have had time, I would have thanked you in my uh, Hall of Fame speech. Oh, I was, you know? I was waiting. I was waiting for my name. I was, you know, little, no, but little... that's how much, that's how much, that's how much you meant <laughs> I, yeah. to me. Dude. No, I, I like, appreciate I appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I, Hey, you and I know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, and you've said it before publicly and you were covering you was big, a big thing for me too. I mean, like being able to be energized and excited about seeing a progressive wrestling style that was going to be the future of the business and to see it as a teenager to cover it up close to have access to interviewing you and watching you and shooting your matches at ringside and and having somebody in my peer group uh age-wise you know like that was huge for me i mean i, I didn't feel i yeah it just it felt like i belonged more even though I wasn't trying to be, I was never trying to be one of the boys. You know that. I was always, right. I, I knew my, I knew what I wanted to be and where I wanted to be. I never wanted to work in the wrestling business. I was a journalism entrepreneurial guy who loved wrestling. I wasn't someone who aspired to work in it. Never, yeah. like never once thought that that'd be a job I wanted to do. But being around your passion in a, that at a, you loved wrestling the way I did, but you, you were tougher than me. I would just, like I would just, okay. I mean, I mean, it's like like polar op, but similar bodies, similar body, polar opposite toughness in terms of you know I'm not going to punch anyone and not get punched back and knocked out and hit my head on a sidewalk. <laughs> um, so 
but to be around you at that time and, and see your passion going that way and to be able to follow your career all along, all the way to like Joe Pettacino's Global Wrestling Federation and ESPN. And that was Joe reading about you and the torch. That's I mean, right. you know, I mean, would people have, you know, eventually discovered you? Of course, you were that good and that passionate and that determined. But I think the fact that Pro Wrestling Torch, the newsletter I was doing, was based out of Minneapolis and I'm going to these shows and it's one of the things I could do early on that was like firsthand reporting on something that I felt mattered. People, you you proved me right by not flopping <laughs> later too. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I was touting what you and Jerry were doing, and Jerry, I think, is one of the top twenty wrestlers of his generation um, in terms of his total body of work over twenty years, thirty years, you know, twenty five years, whatever. And he's maybe that one of the top five wrestlers U.S. based to not earn a million dollars a year in the last thirty years. I, I just have I like my my respect for what Jerry does in the ring is fantastic for a guy who never got that big contract. And yet he he's got a job. He's still in the business. And I don't you know, he was a big part of of helping you and you're a big part of helping. Oh, him my and, God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huge. But like to, like even after like, uh, you know, I moved on and I was in I was in the ring with the greatest, like some of the all time yep. greats. Right. Like yep. he still he still uh, was. I still consider him one of the very best I'd ever been in the ring with. I, I I think I I sing his praises as historically great as any chance I get without being annoying about it. Because I mean, honestly, you his work with Rob Van Dam. I mean, it's just like there's so many wrestlers who made more money than him on national TV whose best matches I would say were against him. I would take a Jerry Lynn match against a dozen top wrestlers, and they had. You know, whether it's ECW, WCW, TNA, whatever, he was just so good. And you got, you were part of forming, forming him and bringing him to a, you were the type of wrestler who could elevate him. And he was the type of wrestler who could elevate you. So seeing that early on was magical and, and so cool and, and so fun to write about and take photos of. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Lou. Oh. Lula. Anyways, Lula's over here is jumping around, distracting the hell out of me, dude. Oh, damn it, Lou. <laughs> I, that's, that's it's 2021. That's the charm of podcasting is pets. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, man. Um, I totally just lost all my, com all my concentration, Nick. Yeah. Hey man, come on in, Nick. Hey, yeah. I was just doing this. Cause I was like, what a wonderful 20 minute or so conversation. I did not know you two were so close and I know Wade. Yes. Go be with family and things, but I would love for you to maybe go float over to the PW torch cast with wade and, and talk a little bit more at some point because yeah i really like this dynamic i did not realize also how close an age you guys were and as kind of on a personal note like finally getting to see some of my friends from the indies that i came up with appear on wwe like we just had mustafa we have mustafa ali on today yeah oh he's great that i came up in chicago with ali and oh nice yeah kind of like just a you know, I'm big on energies, right? Just a yeah. lot of positive stuff going on in the room right now. That's all I'm feeling. The goosebumps. Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's and that's just it. Like uh, one of the reasons why I wanted you on here is just to thank you, Wade. Thank you, man. You've been and 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 you know what else I, I want to know real quick is like, or I, like, look, man, you've always been real fair, but you've always been real. Like, if I fucked up or whatever, like you, you, you printed, you weren't like, yeah. Did I, I mean, Hey man, I, I don't know if I put you in a bad position at times with some of my antics or like <laughs> hijinks, man. I, 
Sorry if I made you feel bad for having to write fucked up shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> you. You've, you've, you've been a, you've been a roller coaster ride, but it's it's I I had I had to report it straight, and I mean it's 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 more good than bad. Yeah. But I'm just I'm glad you made it through it all. I mean that was there were times I don't even like to revisit when you know I was obviously scared for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, and and yeah. so yeah, uh, I, I'm one of those guys that doesn't get mad when I read stuff about <laughs> as long as it's true man yeah 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 no you've always been that way and uh, you some of the podcasts we've done over the years and interviews are are the best because you're so introspective and and reflective and honest about yourself and and you know you're 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 classy but unfiltered if that makes sense like you know you're you're just okay. you know yeah you i'll, I'll you, take it okay <laughs> hey wait, wait. Oh, I was gonna. Were you gonna? I feel like we both went for the throw at the same time. We were gonna, I think, ask you to promote whatever you want to promote here, right? Yes. Oh no, I wasn't even thinking that, but sure, yeah, I'll do that. Um, so I, I, I this is my my time to promote my, whatever my shit. Can I say shit? I don't say shit on my show, so. But I think Sean, you swore, so yeah, right, good, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, listen to me. I'm I pod, I do like 14 podcasts a week on wrestling. So that's like um, uh, I do post shows live, and then they're available to download after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every week. Search Wade Keller on whatever podcast app you listen to, uh, and subscribe. There's a red logo show and a blue logo show. The red is the post shows. The blue is kind of regular podcasts where we talk about a wide array of things. My main website pwtorch.com. Uh, I cover the TV shows and pay per views live. We have a ton of great writers. Check it out. Don't go to wrestling and go to PW Torch. Forget about Whoa. that. <laughs> oh, wait, am I not allowed to say that? Whoa, no, you are not allowed to say that. <laughs> Raj, Raj is, I do not. Raj, I don't know what Wade said, Raj, by the way, if my boss is likely listening to this right now. Raj is, Raj is great. We had we had lunch at Mall of America a few years back. It was top secret, so edit it out if we're not supposed to um, be on record about that. But that was, that was, that was, it was great to finally meet him after all these decades, I can say now. Um, and follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller at the Wade Keller. Follow our brand at PW Torch. We have a VIP membership with like just astoundingly awesome podcast co I get to work with Todd Martin, Rich Van. I mean, I, I don't want to start listening to Andrew Limaugh, but um, so if you really want a great lineup of podcasts, check out our, our VIP membership, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Um, my plugs are in the still doing the MMA torch. Are you still doing MMA torch? I think if you visit it, it still will load. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know. We we the MMA Torch was us. We were covering MMA when no one else was. You know, it was like right. you know Ken Shamrock. Oh, let's write about that. And it's like real pro wrestling. What would it look like? And then all the all the so we I split off and did MMA Torch just to separate the coverage. But then you know all the commercial sites just came in and just you know plot you know overwhelmed you know what our grassroots kind of side project was. So we don't I don't do much with it anymore. But I still watch the big fights now and then. We talk Todd Martin and I talk about it every week on on the Fix VIP podcast. So he's great. Anyway, well, well, thank you, my friend. I'm glad that we could, you know, have just time together. Yeah, that's and, fine. Hey, whenever you want me to, uh, whenever you want me to come on, just you know, hit me up. I will. Yeah, just you're shoot, always shoot me a text. you're a great, a great. Uh, you are you are a burgeoning host, but a long time, well established, great podcast guest. So um, we'll do that again. We'll do that again soon. Cool. Thank yeah. you, Wade. Thank thanks. You. Yep. Thanks, Sean. Great talking to you. Thanks, Nick. Thank you too, man. Yeah. And welcome to the game show portion of Pro Wrestling for Life. It is me, I guess, the new host of the game show segment. As Sean Waltman has gone completely insane, he is demanding one-on-one -on -one competition here. He is zero and two. 
in the games the past two weeks here. Let's see if he can pick it up. Of course, our first contestant, Sean X. Pac Waltman. Sean, welcome back to your game show. Hi there, Nick. How you doing, man? I'm I'm great. How are you dealing with struggling with the losses the last couple of weeks? What losses? The losses in the game show. You've lost to two people in a row. I don't know what you're talking about. No, Sean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have a winless record here in the game show portion of Pro Wrestling for Life. Whatever, dude. All right. I, I, I mean, um, who, who do you have for me this week? That's a great question. You know what? I We usually pick patrons from the Patreon page, and, and we still very much support that. We'll get back to that next week. But there's somebody I was like, you know what? If we're going to do toe-to-toe, you want some real competition, I'll bring an expert in here. So your competition here today is none other than OG Kevin Gill rocking the game. Kevin, welcome to Pro Wrestling. <laughs> what up, though, Nick, and what up, though, Sean? What an honor it is to be here. Uh, I'm such a fan of Sean Waltman and his continued uh, output and projects that benefit all of the wrestling world And with <laughs> with Nick on both sides of the, of the barricade. And with Nick Houseman at the wheel, what could go wrong? Thrilled to be here. Yes. Nancy, look, Sean, I told you I was going to deliver. We have Mustafa Ali, we have Wade Keller, and we have OG Kevin Gill now in the game slot. I promised a slam banger, and I, I hope I delivered on that one. You know? Yeah, man. What's going on, KG? Just doing the thing, Sean. You know, uh, out here doing commentary uh, whenever possible with my friends at Game Changer Wrestling and other great yeah. companies, and uh, doing uh, Get High and Watch Wrestling every week with our mutual friend, Ron Funches, a show that yeah. wouldn't exist without you and now. I'm there, you're here, and we're all together, and it's fabulous. How is it, man? How's getting high and watching wrestling? <laughs> as great as it ever was, Sean, uh, in a in a timeless tradition sense. But it's fun. Wow. You know, in the digital age and the pandemic age, it was just a new way to connect with people and, and fill that hole in people's soul uh, to let them just connect and bond with friends and talk hellified shit and learn some stuff along the way. All right. Hey, yeah. are you ready to get your ass whipped here momentarily? Oh yeah, and I like I, I, like I they did last week and the week before. For full disclosure, I came into this with the private understanding that I was going to get my ass handed to me uh, today. So I'm <laughs> I'm ready. Nick says no. I think yes. But I, we're, we're about to find out. I said <laughs> the opposite to Kevin. I told him that you're you're getting trampled recently, and that he probably had pretty good odds. So he's he's making it up, and don't believe him. Um, yes. This Waltman kid is due. He's due, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, right, so the game today is a game I've been wanting to do for a while. I was waiting for the right time, and it feels like this is the moment. So I have that I keep this on my desk all the time, and this will probably be a running game every 10 episodes or so. This is an official trivia box from the 1997 Titan, uh, Titan Sports Incorporated WWF trivia game. All right? So none of these questions, and this is like, I have a, a brick of these, okay? None of these questions uh, are after 1997. All of them are 97 or before. Each card has five questions on it, okay? I do not believe that they are in a, any degree of difficulty. Um, they're all pretty hard. I'm not going to lie, especially considering this is 20-year-old trivia. Yes, Sean? You might be in, like, legit trouble on this one. KG, because this is this type of shit's right up my fucking alley. Yes, uh, I, I again, I feel I was in trouble from the uh, opening salvo, but I will say that sometimes I find trivia questions of this <laughs> nature, like the card nature, are so specific to like a specific date or things that I'm just like, I, I don't know. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, no, no. 
maybe no no multiple choice on here. Is there multiple choice on these or what, what's going there, on? They, there's multiple choice on some of them. Some of them do not have multiple choice. Others, I think, are true false. I mean, it's it's all over the place. Okay. So what? All right. Gonna, so like, how long? What are we playing to? We'll play until I feel somebody has won. Okay. <laughs> and we're not going to go too too long with this. But until I feel a definitive winner has been decided, we'll play till. Um, now, since Kevin did not wrestle in this particular year, I feel like it would be respectful to let him go first, right? Um, you and like- I didn't wrestle in any year, to be clear. <laughs> At most refereed and commentated. So, Kevin, you're going to get to pick between one of these two playing cards. So which character do you want to be in the WWF trivia game? Do you want to be Hunter Hearst Helmsley, you know, in the old school cane, or do you want to be 97, 96 Goldust? Who do you want to be? I'm going to go with 97 gold dust. Okay, great. Okay. So KG gold dust, Sean, you'll be playing as old school 96, 97 Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Okay. All right. Uh, so what we'll do here is uh, Sean, you can pick a number one through five. I'll pick the question corresponding to the number. And I'm going to ask that to Kevin. We'll go back and forth. You can each pick a number one through five. Again, I do not believe there's any degree of difficulty. So Sean, I'm going to a- go right in the middle with three. Okay. KG first question. The tag team involved in the final survivors, uh, the tag team involved in the final survivors match at 1990 Survivor Series was A. Demolition, B. Power and Glory, or C. The Bushwhackers. And you said the year was what in that question? It was uh, the 1990 Survivor Series. Demolition. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The correct answer was Power and Glory. Really? Yep. Oh, that was they were trying. To... Okay, boy, they really tried with with Paul, right? Like they were trying to do some stuff, like you know, the Horseman. That because the guy was a hell of an athlete, right? And he had a hundred percent and everything. Huh. Yeah. All right, well, Kevin, you get to pick a number one through five. I'll ask Sean a question now. I'll go uh, Ichiban number one. Number one. All right, Sean. At the nineteen ninety five Survivor Series, one team was Sean. Shawn Michaels, Sid, Ahmed Johnson, and either A, British Bulldog, B, Hakushi, or C, Razor Ramon. Oh, shit. Can you read, read those again? Yes. At the 1995... One of the teams was Shawn Michaels, Sid Justice, Ahmed Johnson, and either British Bulldog, Hakushi, or Razor Ramon. I'm going to have to go Hakushi. You are also wrong. The correct answer was the British Bulldog. Was he a fucking, like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> the correct answer. When the fuck, how, why, why was Sid Justice on a team with, the, with those guys? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We'll go watch, maybe we'll do a watch along. We'll yeah. Go, we'll go get high and we'll watch that wrestling at some point, I guess. I don't know. I have no, I don't, I just know what's on the card. That's all. Uh, maybe the card is wrong. All right. Well, you're Sean Xbox Walton, and you worked. For I mean, me. I was there. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I was like, if anybody can call on this, it's probably you. All right. Regardless, zero, zero piece. to zero. We're not going to live fact check the card in real time. That's not happening. All right. Uh, Sean, number one through five. I'm going to go with two. Okay. Kevin. Yes. At the 1994 King of the Ring. Who was IRS's first round opponent? 94 King of the Ring, IRS's first round opponent. Was it Razor Ramon, Tatanka, or Mabel? 
Tatanka. Oh. The I'm sorry, you were wrong. It was Mabel. <laughs> Poor guy. The no, no gold. Gold dust and Hunter are both <laughs> zero. Okay. And what's crazy is both those talents were very much uh, rapidly on the rise in those years. Yep, not now. We're rewriting history. Okay, so so Kevin, pick a number one through five. What do you want to ask? What do you want me to ask, Sean? I'm gonna go straight to number five. All right. Very no multiple choice here. You either know it or you don't. Okay. All right. Where did the 1992 Survivor Series take place? I need the it's a, I need the city. You don't need to tell me the arena, but if you could tell me where the '92 Survivor Series took place, you will get a point. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> I'm thinking real hard. <laughs> Cleveland. Oh man, I kind of I feel like I should give it to you. It was Richfield, Ohio. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna give same, gonna, same market. Yeah. Hunter Hurst Helmsley has That's a point. Good, right? Over yeah, that, that was really good, Sean. I don't, I don't think I would have had a chance in hell with that. Fucking one. Richfield was so far. There was like a forty-five minute drive, though. Like it was like, why? I could. I was so happy when they finally switched to the Gun Arena. Oh man. Okay. Well, see, this is just like a potpourri of trivia here for everybody. You know. All right. Oh, so, Sean, pick a number one through five to go against KG. Uh, number four. Number four. Okay, KG, the wrestler who deserted his own 1988 Survivor Series team was, and you get no multiple choice. There are no multiple choice. You just have to know who deserted their 1988 Survivor Series team. Deserted their 1988 Survivor Series team. Yes, sir. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say Sergeant Slaughter. That is not correct. And, Sean, I will offer you a bonus point if you know the answer to this. Do you know which person in 1988 des deserted their Survivor Series team? Uh, like, I don't know, Macho Man Randy Savage? Man, guys, it was Bad News Brown. Bad oh. News Brown, the man who deserted his team. Sorry about that. No points. We can okay. have Hunter Hurst Helmsley won over on gold. Indeed. All right, um, well, let's see if let's see. Maybe Sean, if you can get two up here, you might put this thing away. So, Kev, pick a number one through five. Uh, three, three. Okay, Sean, at the 1990 SummerSlam, what animals did Bad News Brown bring to the ring with him? Was it bees, snakes, <laughs> or rats? Rats. It is rats. Yeah. Yes, yes, he is the Wilfred of <laughs> of uh, of of Perez. What was that all about? I, I mean, it just I don't remember the I don't remember the context. I also don't. A lot of questions were raised here by these ninety four. <laughs> all right, I can't imagine if I may, guys. Imagine a world where he had brought bees to the ring. Okay, all it right. would have been a whole different world. I know that Sean's up two to one. I'm going to give you guys one last. Kev, if you can yeah. get one right, then I'll give you a tie and we'll, we'll throw it up to Sean. But I think we'll see here. Sean, pick a number one through five. I'm going to go with one. All right, Kev. SummerSlam 1990 took place at A, the Hartford Civic Center, B, the Philadelphia Spectrum, or C, the Nassau Coliseum. Which one did SummerSlam 1990 take place at? The Nassau Coliseum. That is not correct. Fuck. You know, Sean, where the 90 
1990 SummerSlam was? Uh, Philadelphia. It was Philly, yes. You know what? That seemed pretty definitive to me. Sean, you have a win on your, your belt buckle now. You have a notch. KG, the first victim victim of the Sean Waltman a game show segment. So here we go. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Up. And then here we Oh, wait. I got them wrong in my hand. There we go. That's the pedigree. Card stuff. You're done. Oh, man. You're done. Um, Kev, thank you very much for competing here today. Where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, support you, all those wonderful things? Uh, as always, just check me out on social media at OG Kevin Gill. Uh, check out our, my friends at Game Changer Wrestling, Underground Wrestling Alliance, West Coast Pro Wrestling, and uh, DignifiedBaster.com, and every Monday night on Twitch with Ron Funches. Hey, one time KG came to Philly, and, and um, remember that? We shot that pot. We, we recorded that podcast down at the – I forget the name of that place down the street from me now. Oh man, I used to uh, have a committed to memory. Uh, I used to yeah, say, yeah, because you mentioned it recently on on a. <laughs> uh, but it was great, uh, and that that podcast is out there for anybody who wants to hear it. It's like uh, split into three episodes. It's almost four hours of me and Sean together uh, in Philadelphia, and it was it was incredible. Like, uh, yeah, talk about insightful, and it's one of the best interview I think I've ever had the honor of being associated with. Wow, thanks, KG. Hey, man. Hey, what's going on with the Juggalos these days? Are you still involved? Um, I haven't been, to be honest. Like, they've been on a, like, I'm all about, I guess, doing business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Moving forward, <laughs> accomplishing things. You know what I mean? So it seemed those guys wanted to focus on things unrelated to that. So okay. I wanted to put my, just keep going where I've always been going. You know what I mean? Right Which on. is trying to be involved in putting together great shows and putting the commentary down and just help spreading the gospel and that love of pro wrestling, the the good parts, you know, the stuff that, yeah, man. like I always say, like uh, wrestling brings people together and Twitter and social media tear people down. Oh, you know what brother. I mean? Yeah, it's like a yeah. weird, it's a weird thing, but I just love the idea of supporting wrestling and giving people positive content like this that they can connect with and enjoy and just build their love of wrestling because that's why we're here. Like the complaint yeah. department is, is full, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and I want to, yeah. I want to float this out there before we wrap it up. Like Sean's on the mend, right? He's going to be getting back. I feel like X-Pac versus Joey Janela is a layup of a spring break main event. If, if we could get it together. Am I wrong, Kevin? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Nick Houseman. Uh, any, any show that features Sean Waltman on it is state of the art, but uh, imagine, and you think of the pedigree of the spring break series and Oh my God. What do you think about that, Sean? Yeah. I'm open for a lot of suggestions, you guys. Like, I'm not committing to anything right now. Okay, I but. put it out there in the game show segment of Pro Wrestling for Life. Don't forget right that. On. That's where, yeah. that's where <laughs> came from, okay? Giancarlo will put this in the opening video package. Thank you. I love that. All right. Thank, <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me, and best of luck and continued success hey, with Pro Wrestling for Life. It's good seeing you, bro. Hell yeah, man. It's great to see you too, Sean, and I look forward to seeing you again in person real yeah. soon. All right, everyone, that's it for this edition of Pro Wrestling for Life. Uh, I want to thank Mustafa Ali. I want to thank Wade Keller. I want to thank OG Kevin Gill. Appreciate it, everyone. Uh, any words before we go, Nick? No, follow us on Twitter at Pro Rest for Life. Of course, follow Sean on Instagram as well. And smash that subscribe button for the uh, X-Pac YouTube channel, youtube.com slash X-Pac. 
We're premiering uh, in video form the new episode every week for free. Uh, that is at uh, we're going to do at 3 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. Of course, it goes at Thursday morning on all major podcast platforms. And if you want to get the show a day early and with no ads, go sign up over at Patreon. I think we're going to roll out kind of the last wrinkle of that kid level uh, bonus here with one thing this week. And then we're going to unlock a bigger tier here uh, very shortly. So stay tuned. Patreon.com slash Pro Rest for Life. And of course, you can find out uh, you can find the what the latest watch along with Sean and I watching him take on Jeff Jarrett, SummerSlam 98, hair versus hair. That's all I got. I'm done. Cool. Oh. All right. Well, I guess we'll see everyone next week then. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.